everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Watch One Never Again, the podcast where we traumatize ourselves so you don't have to. I'm Mary Beth. I'm Dax, and I regret to inform you all I am hopelessly addicted to the new Coke Zero. Thank you. Tell me more. What is the new Coke Zero? There's a new Coke Zero, and it tastes like regular Coke. Like, actually tastes like regular Coke? Because Coke yeah. Zero, for real, tasted like not real Coke. It tasted like diet. It tastes like diet. It tastes like fake sugar. And no offense to the diet community, but ew. <laughs> so, uh, no, yep. the new Coke Zero tastes a lot like more like regular Coke. I, I, I can't say 100%. Obviously, there's no sugar in it. But, yeah, I mean, the, the like, spice blend, it tastes the same. The spice blend. There has to be a spice <laughs> blend, right? I think so. Yeah, Probably, like caramel right? and like something. <laughs> I don't know what are spices. What are... <laughs> caramel? <laughs> Wait, I'm Mexican. Car- I don't know spices. I was gonna say I'm white. You would know. <laughs> I don't know anything about like <laughs> caramel's not a spice though. No, I know, but uh, I laughed. There's like gotta it be was like... spice, and then I was like, wait, 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 go back, go back, go back. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But you know, not not spice like per se oh okay i found it flavors what is it um it's very like the coke the coke recipe is a very closely guarded secret i'm gonna guess cardamom so let me like oh god this is really a long article jesus god thought they are thought to be vanilla and cinnamon with vague traces of essential oils but also spices such as nutmeg that's cardamom some people have apparently a night a 2015 study identified and measured 58 aroma compounds in common colas confirming significant amounts of compounds corresponding to cinnamon vanilla nutmeg orange and lemon essential oils <sighs> the essential oil community wins they win this round. <laughs> you win this round oh there's cor- okay there's coriander perhaps that's, in it that's not the same I'm just now I'm reading. I didn't. I guess I don't think I realized that there was such a big secret around what goes into Coke. I didn't know it was a secret. That's weird. Oh, well, I guess it's not weird because they have to protect their like billion dollar company. I just figure because there's all different kinds of like colas. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not a secret, but it's a very particular cola. That's incredible. Yeah. Now you know. Well, the new Coke Zero, it tastes pretty much like normal Coke. Huh. And that will certainly be a problem for me. Um, you know what else is a problem? No. Um, Sumatran rat monkeys. They're a, they're the biggest threat to America today. <laughs> they're coming into our country and biting our old women. They're taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs. They're transforming our women and children into horrific monsters. And they're really a huge problem for the community. Yeah, they're taking our gerbs. And, like, if they're going to, if they start to bite all the old ladies, like, what do I get? Why do I get to do? I hate my life. Um, so, uh, Edit by the way, this out. <laughs> by the way, everybody, today we are talking about Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, the 1992 New Zealand zombie comedy directed by Peter Jackson. And yes, it is the same Peter Jackson as The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we'll talk about that because that's incredible. His filmmaking history is incredible. But before we get into that, Dax, do you want to read the plot synopsis of this incredible film? I do want to. And let me just say this. Like, I feel like this is... I've said this before, but this time I really mean it. This is probably the most accessible movie that we're, we might ever do. It's like a beloved movie that, you know, tons tons of people have seen it. You're probably okay to see it. It's just very gory. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like probably most of the people who are listening to us have seen it at some point hopefully though it is really hard to get like on dvd and stuff yeah it's interesting i didn't realize so i i had never seen it before until this until recording or until we were going to record this and it i found it online but it's not easy to find online let's just put it that way 
I had to have it specially imported. I have like a foreign oh. copy. And then I re like I found it I'm so annoyed because I found it at like um I don't know if you've ever been to the convention up here, but it's called Monster Mania. Yeah. I saw a guy had it there and I was it was like fifty bucks and I was like, I'm not buying that, I'll find it online. Well, no, I won't. So then I became obsessed with it. This was like years ago at this point, but I became obsessed with it. Then I had to like specially import it. And then like right after that, I saw that there were like two copies on Amazon or something like a a secondhand sale. Yeah. And it was like for way less. So. Okay. And then recently I saw that same guy had another copy like two weeks ago, but it was still like 50 bucks. But I wish Hmm. I bought it because it's a Blu-ray. I'm surprised no one's done a big release for it before. I'm surprised too, and I wonder if there's some like legal reason why. Because this is like, I mean, everyone would buy it; like it would sell out. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder is Peter Jackson secretly like keeping it all to himself? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe he is. But anyway. Anyway. All right. So. Here we go. In 1957, explorer Stuart McAlden and his team smuggle a captured Sumatran rat monkey, a hybrid creature that resulted from the rape of tree monkeys by plague-carrying rats. I didn't get that from it. Out of Skull Island. Hold that thought. (laughs) During the team's escape from the island's warrior natives who demand the return of the creature, Stuart is bitten by the rat monkey, resulting in his dismemberment and killing by his crew, who fears the effects of the bite. The captured rat monkey is then shipped to Wellington Zoo in New Zealand. In Wellington, Lionel Cosgrove lives in a Victorian mansion with his domineering mother, Vera. When he was a child, Lionel's father drowned trying to save him at the beach, and the incident has haunted him into adulthood. To Vera's dismay, Lionel falls in love with a Spanish-Romani shopkeeper's daughter, Paquita Maria Sanchez, who is convinced the two are destined to be together. When the two visit the Wellington Zoo together on a date, uh, Vera follows them and is bitten by the rat monkey, which attacked one of... Wait. Vera follows them and is written by bitten by the rat monkey, which attacked one of the monkeys. I didn't like how that was written. And though she appears fine initially, the following day, she grows more and more decrepit. <laughs> That's a word. That's a fucking word for it. <laughs> yeah, I like that word. Uh, finally, a word I like. Culminating in her eating her own ear after it falls off in a custard during a lunch with colleagues and later eating Paquita's dog. She appears to die before reanimating as a ravenous zombie and killing the attending nurse, Mrs. McTavish, who returns as a zombie, before Lionel locks them both in the basement and keeps them sedated with animal tranquilizers. While visiting Paquita, Lionel is given a pendant for luck by her grandmother. Uh, I I don't like how these are written, because when you think about it, like that's referring like her grandmother that's actually referring to Lionel the first the last person that in that sentence before whatever Vera <laughs> is able to break out of the basement and is apparently killed then struck by a tram at her funeral Lionel tranquilizes Vera to keep her from attacking the mourners later she returns or later while returning to the graveyard to administer more of it He's accosted and beaten by a group of hoodlums who presume him to be a necrophiliac. <laughs> Vera, sud- <laughs> yep. Vera-, <clears throat> Vera suddenly bursts from her grave and attacks the hoodlums. In the ensuing commotion, the gang leader, Void, as as well as the local priest, Father Magruder, are bitten and become zombies, so Lionel has to keep them locked in the basement, too. After the nurse, he has to. He has to do it. It's not like he takes it on himself. (laughs) After the nurse and priest copulate and produce a zombie baby, Lionel breaks up with Paquita to keep her safe. Shortly afterward, Lionel's uncle Les arrives to wrangle with Lionel over Vera's estate. Discovering the zombies, which he believes to be dead bodies, 
in the basement, Les blackmails his nephew into giving up the house and his inheritance and invites his friends over for a housewarming party, despite Lionel's objectives or objections. During the party, Paquita arrives to try to make amends with Lionel. She discovers the zombies in the basement and Lionel explains to her that uh, all that has occurred. She is able to convince Lionel to administer poison to the zombies to finally kill them, but after injecting the zombies with it, he discovers the poison is animal stimulants, which revives them. They narrowly escape the now-enhanced zombies, who burst into the house upstairs and slaughter the party guests. The guests subsequently reanimate and begin to attack the to attack the survivors. Lionel enters the house with a lawnmower and proceeds to mow through a horde of zombies while Paquita, while Paquita tries to dispose of zombie body parts in the blender. Les enters the basement where he is beheaded by Vera who has now grown to monstrous proportions. Vera erupts from the basement and pursues them both to the rooftop as the house catches fire from a burst gas pipe. As Vera comes, or as Vera corners them on the roof, Lionel confronts his mother and reveals that he witnessed Vera drowning his father and his lover in the bathtub as a child and accuses her of lying to him all his life. Vera becomes enraged and swallows Lionel with an opening in her stomach before he tries to kill Paquita. Or, nope, before trying to kill Paquita. Lionel cuts his way out of the, his mother's body with the good luck pendant causing Vera to fall back into the burning house. Lionel and Paquita escape the burning rooftop as the the fire brigade, yep, fire department, we'll say, arrives. They kiss and then walk away arm in arm. Brigade, that's the word. Fire brigade. That's hard to say. Fire brigade. So, this, I don't, this, this is a good synopsis, but it just, it doesn't, capture no. how fucking disgusting this movie is like when they say vera grows to monstrous proportions <laughs> it is like she had she is a giant gi it's a giant monster with huge tits and a huge stomach and a huge ass and her face is is like very is like askew and she doesn't look like a person it looks like her teeth are huge and her jaw is all fucked up and then when it when she when he when she swallows him into her stomach like her fucking stomach opens up and eats him like it's just those <laughs> kinds of details where i'm like oh no no let me just tell you exactly what that looked like because it was um horrific <laughs> and then like the with uh paquita trying to like blend all the zombies she's trying to blend the baby zombie <laughs> yep she's trying and to blend a baby zombie who was born out of a zombie nurse and a zombie priest fucking very loudly where lionel's uncle asks if he's watching porn between a donkey and a woman yeah <laughs> like casually and uh yeah and then there's also like lionel using the lawnmower it, he's not mowing the lawn he's he strapped the lawnmower to his chest and is holding it like with he's like holding it with the bottom like facing out like away yep. from him mm -hmm. and he's using it almost like a shield and that's how he's going through the zombies and it's fucking hilarious it's incredible gross. so okay and skip the custard scene oh the custard scene Ugh. so okay so let's let's backtrack really quick so this is kind of marketed as one of the most disgusting movies ever made yeah and it's weird it's weird because it's very gory it's very gross but it's not it's it's played for comedy in such a way that it's funny. It it's disgusting and gory, and it it is it is probably one of the goriest movies you'll ever see, but it's funny, you know. Like it, it's a it's a yeah. horror comedy, so it's played up for laughs. Like when someone like the zombie's face skin is completely pulled off, pulled off, and it's just like an exposed like muscle and teeth, and it's funny. But it is just there are some really disgusting parts that have to do with pus and like the custard scene where like he's just spooning mouthfuls of custard and like zit not zits because cuss never mind, never mind. But <laughs> like things like postules burst open and blood goes everywhere into food and it's just so nauseating. And that's more nauseating to me than like the very bloody finale because. Oh, yeah. I can't even ugh. think about the custard scene. Anyway. I, I closed my eyes because I knew it was coming. I've seen yep. this so many times. I'm like, I don't need to rewatch it. But so this is a Peter Jackson movie, <coughs> which is incredible because P 
Peter Jackson, as we all know, is responsible for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He did the King Kong movie. He's done a couple. He did Heavenly Creatures with Kate Winslet. That was a, like a smaller release, but that was kind of like his. He cut his teeth in like B movie making. He made his filmography up to a certain point is a lot of films like Dead Alive or Brain Dead, whatever we want to call it. Um, in that they were like super low budget, really gory, really weird practical effects. And they, it's so funny to see what like that work, that work get him into a, a huge trilogy like Lord of the Rings. And that's what everyone knows him for. But I mean, you can see that background in Lord of the Rings with a lot of the practical effects and monster makeup and monster design in the film and how well it holds up even today in Lord yeah. of the Rings, the series. And the camera work, like even in yeah. this, the camera work. I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, he's a fucking genius. Right? Like, he really is. Like, oh he's one of the greatest, like, uh, filmmakers of our time, like, easily. And and I feel like he's always left out of those conversations. And maybe it's because he cut his teeth in BU films. Yep. You know? Um, but, like, the, some of, like, the inverted shots in this, like, uh, just, in like, the camera tricks he does is just... Uh, you can see it in Heavenly Creatures, too, like, especially with the special effects in that movie. And when you see that, you're like, ah, I see why he got Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. And exactly. I can't, I can't picture, except maybe like Guillermo del Toro, I can't really picture uh, any other like genre filmmaker taking on something like Lord of the Rings. But Peter Jackson's like a perfect fit, I think. I actually, I feel like I need to get more into his work because I don't think I'm familiar enough with it. And re-watching this, I was like, he is an amazing filmmaker. <laughs> even in this, like, which, I, and I hate to say even in this because I feel like probably it is, like, often dismissed by, like, critics. Even though this is a beloved film and it got good reviews when it came out. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is a genre film, and especially gory. So probably it gets like cast aside when it really shouldn't be. If you look at it on a technical level, he's, he's like, he's doing shit. No one else would dream of doing like he's, I think he was um before his time in this, you know, the reason I said, hold that thought. Do you know what I was going to say? <laughs> no. Remember that it was like the, uh, it says, in 1957, explorer Stuart McAlvin and his team smuggle a captured Sumatran rat monkey, a hybrid creature that resulted from the rape of tree monkeys by plague-carrying rats out of Skull Island. And then I was like, hold that thought, and you laughed. Do you know what I was going to say? I think so. But I, you, te you, you, you tell, you say, you tell me. He fucking, his favorite movie is King Kong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yep. The, like, obviously the 1933... 1933 uh that's his favorite movie and obviously he did the remake in 2005 he so skull island is from king kong yep. so he made it so that the sumat the sumatran rat monkey is in the same universe as king kong which actually does make a lot of sense at the end of the movie when the uh when vera becomes like a huge she does kind of look like a sumatran rat monkey she does, but also it's like got that like like kaiju vibe of like a giant yeah. creature terrorizing on top of a house, like obviously King Kong terrorizing people on top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, like I see what you're doing there. And then he made King Kong. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and then of course <laughs> someone else, whoever made Kong Skull Island, like even went on from there. I love that. I think that's like, and you know what's funny. <laughs> I had never made that connection because I have not seen King Kong. I don't, oh, really? Don't, don't tell anyone. But <laughs> yeah, like I never even had to watch it for like any film classes or anything. I never had to watch it and I just never have. But my sister randomly one day I was driving her and she it was like six in the morning and she's like, you know, uh, Dead Alive takes place in the King Kong universe. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, excuse me? It's not what? Yeah, at like it's like the first thing she said. It was like 6 a.m. She's like, 
you know, Dead Alive takes place in the King Kong universe. I was like, explain. And she was like, well, they're both from Skull Island, and Skull Island's from King Kong. And I was like, oh my god, you're like a fucking genius. And when you try to Google it, not a lot comes up, but some people obviously have made that connection. It's like, I guess it's like... (sighs) Is it canon? But who fucking cares? I want it to be canon. I So I declare it canon. I want that so much because guess what? If it takes place in the King Kong universe, you know who else is there? Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Can you just imagine a movie with oh, all three? Oh my God. A Dead Alive movie with Godzilla. I want that more than I anything. I want that more than anything. I've never seen Godzilla any godzilla movie i've never had to watch them and i just never have which is weird considering (gasps) i love creature features what no godzilla are you fucking serious i'm gonna get steven here i'm gonna get fucking steven saying this but um they look boring to me (gasps) dax just called godzilla movies boring nope nope i said they look boring (laughs) he's okay sorry he said sorry he said they look boring he's never seen a godzilla movie everyone my fiance is is very 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 into kaiju films and i like godzilla but he got me into kaiju movies and has kind of been my guide through kaiju did dax not see the tweet about the haunted bones no he didn't i don't think he did see the tweet about what is that wait what about what all right goodbye i just need to summon you um there's a movie godzilla versus mecha godzilla um where mecha godzilla mecha godzilla is what it sounds like uh um, robot godzilla but they use godzilla's bones to make the robot and the bones are haunted so the robot's haunted <laughs> oh that i'll watch so it's incredible the godzilla movies they're they're not boring like well, okay hold on that let me t- let me take it back see now you're lying there are some parts of godzilla movies that can be boring but they're usually a lot of fun not every godzilla movie is good but there's so many of them. And also, you need to see Shin Godzilla, which is incredible. And I've heard that. It's so good. It's so different from like Showa era Godzilla, which is Showa era Godzilla is like the early stuff from like the 50s and 60s. Um, and so, like, there's all these different like eras of Godzilla and the different kinds of monsters and stuff. And Dax, oh, you should, to- you need to, uh, let me, I'm going to send you a list. This is going to sound bad, but I think part of why I have avoided them now, because I'm more open to watching, like, anything now. But there are some movies that I won't watch. And I think it's because my sister's boyfriend is very (laughs) into them. Like, he's obsessed with Godzilla. And and I don't know why, but that makes me just not want to, like, not give in. Like, you know is that i know and it's weird because i'm not normally like that but with him i am yeah so i won't i also won't watch star wars and that i won't budge on but for godzilla you're not talking and that worries me did i say something i'm just taking it in (laughs) i know i'm really gonna regret this people are gonna yell at me i'm not gonna watch star wars you can't make me but i i will watch godzilla and i will watch king kong i don't agree with you about star wars but like i also don't i also think star wars has a place in the i think star wars has has earned a very like has earned a place in the zeitgeist that i think is very important but i also think star wars fans fucking suck so (laughs) yeah it's not even the fans like i think like i don't get it and like you know oh oh, they're not not okay i'm gonna someone's gonna kill me i love star wars they're not good movies oh you well you should edit this out <laughs> you go and get some smoke but like they're they're mo- they're space operas about people with laser swords and they're, like, they're for children they're for children and that's fine they're fun as shit and like the production like they are really important in terms of like the development of sci-fi and like the effects are insane and it's like a huge it's a cultural mile like touch point and i love it but like if you think about it it's not good it's fun as shit but it's not that it's not like amazing i don't know i have this conversation with steve a lot and our friend our friend brad who is a math like like the one of the biggest star wars fans like the kind of person who like knows all of the characters names and i'm like who in the actual shit are you talking about um He'll admit it. 
I'm throwing him under the bus. He's going to be like, why did you say that? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people admit it. And and I do want to clarify, like, I'm not above watching things that are for children. I like Harry Potter. I have a Harry Potter tattoo. Uh, but you do? Yeah, it's big as fuck. Wait, where is it? Hold it's on. Do you on regret the... it? No. I'm, my tattoo is fucking cool. What is it? Uh, it's Sorry, a Dementor. <gasps> it's huge. Ooh. It's the whole back of my arm, like, past my elbow which hurt no shit oh fuck elbow tattoos right off fucking my soul left my fucking body (laughs) when when, and it's not even a big part i guess it's a big part of my elbow but um, i i i won't let her touch it up like i'm like no i will i will let it be shitty like it's not shitty obviously it looks really good but some of the color fell out because it's like a it's your elbow it's your elbow it's like tattoos don't heal super well in your elbow and i'm getting worked out on my elbow right now and she's like i'm really sorry i'm even spacing out the shading because it's like so bad and (laughs) my soul loved my body we were doing the outline she did like i got because i have my sleeve i'm doing like the whole area around my elbow so like the elbow Mm. pit and the bone and the elbow Mm. pit is arguably worse than the elbow bone it Mm -hmm. proper in my in my experience it I've is never, worse i've never gotten that and i won't like it's terrible it is the fucking worst experience of my life and then so don't ever do it kids i use i usually use numbing cream now oh do um, you really yeah because i don't care like i don't need street cred like i've oh i think no. i have enough <laughs> tattoos that i got you like, bitch using fucking numbing cream yeah, yeah bitch fuck care. you who cares i'm not here to impress anybody and my my artist is my friend and yeah uh, when do you bring your own or does she have some? Does she does she have them does she well, have it oh. well guys i'm sorry we're just tattoo, going off <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. Um, It's our (laughs) show. Uh, uh, And not yours. (laughs) This tattoo is why I bring my own. Because, um, Mm. so, so there's two different types of numbing stuff. By the way, I worked at a tattoo shop. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to mansplain. I just worked there, so I know stuff. Uh, So... For anyone who doesn't know, there are are two different types of numbing cream. There's one where you put it on before, and there's one where you have to open up your skin, and then you put the numbing cream on. You wait a certain amount of time, and then you, uh, you know, tattoo as you were, and, you know, you won't feel it so much. Well, I didn't have numbing cream, and she was like, okay, we'll start, and then I'll put on the numbing cream that I have, and then we'll keep going. But she kept saying that. She's like, I just got to open up a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then she was Let's done. open up this fucking elbow. Sorry. <laughs> and then she was done. Like, because she's really fast. Like, no matter how big it is. Oh. Like, I've seen her do, like, multiple sleeves, like, in a day. Like, two sleeves in one day. I need you to leave. What? <laughs> and she, I, I mean, she's, like, won awards. Like, she was on TV. Like, fuck uh, yeah she's she well, she hates when i say this but she was on um was it miami inc or la inc LA what's, her, inc. what's her instagram handle drop it for the listener and for me at amy nicoletto it might be tattoo my tattoo shop is called order of the sacred crow um, order of the sacred crow. <laughs> they're great they're my friends um <laughs> she's awesome her tattoo studio is in new jersey she's from here so anyway um i don't want it to sound like she rushes through everything and it looks like shitty <laughs> like it, it's really good um anyway yeah so i have a giant dementor it says expecto patronum on the back of my arm and uh the dementor is like it's like a badass looking <laughs> fuck yeah yeah and no i don't regret it like that's a i guess a topic for another day but no like i still like harry potter i don't care like i mean obviously (laughs) i care that (laughs) it's it's like crazy how harry potter wrote itself you know like it doesn't have an author yeah it's really weird it just kind of like came out of the sky one day and was an incredible masterpiece but yeah, I can't like suddenly stop liking something that I've liked since I was seven. I'm I'm yeah. thirty. Like you know what I mean? Like Yeah. You know. But yeah, it is unfortunate that that's actually a more recent tattoo. And then right after that she started being a transphobe and I was like, Wow. Like 
and I get I totally get judged for this tattoo now. But it's like, you know, I am trans, so give me a break. I'm not a transphobe. Anyway, uh, I won't watch Star Wars, and that's that. <laughs> wow, that was a really that's amazing that this was our longest like that was a good side like a tangent yeah that's our longest tangent so far. we simply must talk about dead alive but yeah i just wanted to bring that <laughs> we up simply I think, must talk about i think dead it's alive. fun that they're related and they're in the same universe that means that you know a movie with all of those monsters in it is not out of the question and i uh, like to think about that anyway anywho why um, did we pick this movie should we well, why did you that? pick this movie yeah because you didn't pick it <laughs> um, no i didn't i'd never seen it yeah so i picked it because so this is a disturbing movie podcast of course like, we <laughs> all know that <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> but i think it's important to keep in mind that like disturbing can mean different things for everybody and the levels yeah. can be different like you and I might think we need to talk about Kevin as disturbing, and then the next person might think that that's, like, the most, like, tame movie they've ever seen. Like, you know what I mean? I, yep. I mean, I would disagree, but... So sometimes when I'm, like, thinking of movies we can cover, I'll think about, like, what would my mom never want to watch? <laughs> like, like, what yeah. what movie... Like, someone like my mom, who, like... I mean, she's more open to horror movies now, because... Like, growing up, she'd always be like, don't put on that blood and gut stuff. And uh, <laughs> we'd be like, you know, there are other movies. Like, we didn't even really watch a lot of gore. Like, we didn't. We were into slashers somewhat. But, like, you know, my sister and I, we both always, like, veered more towards, like, supernatural stuff. And, like, yeah. you know, the Blair Witch Project and the others. We loved those. The Haunting. Mm -hmm. Yes, the remake, The Haunting. <laughs> With, <laughs> with Catherine Zeta Jones, yeah, those are like the movies oh that God, we would go towards, and like and like Thirteen Ghosts again, the remake. Duh, we're nineties children. <laughs> That's so funny. That reminds me of a column um, called "Will My Mom Like This," where Ooh. this writer Riley Cassidy, who's really cool, shout out to Riley, who who has her mom watch movies like Teresa's and like Human Centipede with her, and she writes about whether or not her mom liked it. I love that. It's well, incredible. It's such similar. a good column. It's exactly so that yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's it's similar. similar to why I chose this. Yeah. Like I'm keeping in mind that like there are people who would watch this and be like, I can never watch this again because it's so gory and and not even just gory, but it's so fucking like viscerally disgusting. Yeah. Like stomach churning. Yeah. Uh so that's why I picked it. Again, and, and we said this last week, too, but it's a little more lighthearted, and I mean a lot of more. <laughs> than Hounds of Love? Hmm. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, Shocking. and it's just like an easier watch. Like, it's fun. Yeah, and like, you know, I think it just depends on your tolerance for gore, because like, to me, this was like funny gore. But also, if you don't like gore, even if it's funny, like you're not, you are not going to want to get like watch this movie if we don't like body yeah. horror like it's gore I but don't. it's yeah it's like but it's gore and it's like the human body falling apart in like some pretty fucked up ways and again it's always played for laughs but in that but it's, it's still really awful but i think one of the things that was really sticking out to me about kind of like just another disturbing aspect of this movie is the this is like this is a very like I think I thought too much about this movie, like got too in my own head about it, but about cycles of abuse and how abuse poisons and poisons every aspect of your life. And because in this yes. movie, Lionel is basically like he, he has to take care of his mother. His mother is super controlling. Everything needs to be done for her. He's not, he's not allowed to have a girlfriend. Like he, she is like, I am your one and only. And he is treated like that. And so, and he's like 30. Yeah. He's like a grown ass man. Um, and so when she gets sick and the things happen, she turns into the zombie creature. He takes, instead of kind of like trying to kill her, he tries to keep her happy by giving her the tranquilizer and kind of numbing her tendencies. 
But also he takes it upon himself to put her and all the other zombies in the house instead of trying to kind of like outsource the problem and like deal with it. He hides it and thinks, oh, I can do it. I can solve the issues. It's my job. It's always my job to do that. And I can do it. I can make this all better myself. And as someone who has dealt with an abusive parent, I felt that. And it's, you know, again, it's a core comedy, but it really does get to the core of what happens when you have an abusive parent and what, like, the way your mind works when you have an abusive parent and how difficult it is for you to get away from that. But then also how that abusive parent, their attitudes and the way that they make you feel, you apply that to everyone around you. It's no longer just about your relationship with that person. It's affected your entire ability to interact with the people around you. But then also that abusive person can kind of poison others around you as well. And so, you know, as the in this in this small town where everyone knows Vera, everyone knows Lionel, it's like they're getting almost like poisoned with the zombie. It's like the zombie virus becomes almost like Vera spreading her influence through everybody quite literally. And then it makes the ending all the more satisfying. Like when he gets swallowed by her womb and he bursts out and like kills her. And it's like, yeah, fuck your trauma. And it's, I was not expecting that from this movie, I guess. And it's, you know, it's a, it's gross. It's funny. It's fucked up, but it's got a, it's got a good like nugget in there about dealing with familial trauma. Yeah. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of heart. And he, and to your point, he also like still adhere like adheres to her rules. Like he he takes it upon himself to break up with Paquita, who he like clearly really likes. You know? Uh he does that for his mom, who is a fucking zombie. Like <laughs> yep. you know what I mean? I mean, and he I guess he does it to protect her, but he never says that, and it does seem more like it's for his mom. And in a way it is, because he has to take care of her. Even though she's like dead, alive. Hey. <laughs> you you said the I mean? title of the movie. Yeah, and, exactly. And Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing. <laughs> huh? But I, I also, what really contributed to the heart of this is Lionel. I love his performance because he's such a little like he's such a dope. Like he's he plays a naive kind of sad boy really well. I think. And he's silly. Like, it's a lot of slapstick with him, like kind of like very exaggerated body movements. He's always <laughs> slip, like he's slipping on blood. His facial expressions are always crazy. He's always running around with his limbs flailing everywhere. But at the same time, he's also a very sympathetic character and a great hero character because he seems like he's wearing sweater vests and khakis the whole time. And you're like, nah, he's he's like just a little dork. But he really like comes into his own. It's got a very like kind of Evil Dead kind of parallel vibes to it. For sure. I actually see a lot of Evil Dead. Like or, There's a, or a lot, lot of Evil yeah. Dead. Yeah. Wait, shit, when did the first Evil Dead movie come out? Fuck. I should have I should know that. 1984. Okay. So yeah, this definitely got a lot of like took a lot from Evil Dead. There's even that moment when Lionel bursts in with the with, like holding the um the lawnmower and he's like what the fuck does he say? 81. Sorry. Part it's like it's party time or like party hard or something crazy. It's almost it's like party's Ash, over. Party's over. And <laughs> and it's it's like when Ash has groovy with the chainsaw. And it's but also it's like incredible one-liners. Like okay, this is what I wanted to talk about because the synopsis is not good at that when they mentioned the priest in the graveyard. He fucking <laughs> comes out of nowhere, does karate, and says, I kick ass for the Lord. That it literally is, made me is, cackle. I cackled. I am I screamed laughed. Like I did a Trixie Mattel like ah kind of situation <laughs> because I was like, This is so fucking good. And he's like he is kicking off people's limbs and taking off their heads with his legs. Like this movie is just absolutely fucking ridiculous and it is incredible because it knows exactly what it is it's the best it's It's the the beast it's it's the beast and i will say though the one the one bad the one bad part about this movie lots of weird racism in the beginning (laughs) and rape not in the beginning but later yeah there's some weird vibes to like some very weird kind of like this was made in the 90s by a bunch of white guys kind of situation where it was like the the at the beginning there's a guide who 
is black and he speaks like in a very like stereotypical black black scent that you like you think is supposed to be made is like for comedy to make that character look like an idiot and then also there's like some stuff going on with Paquita and her family being um Romani but you know just wanted to fl- bring that up as like a hey there are some some little issues here it's 1992 and I know that like it's that's not important. an excuse it's not an excuse it's, it's like the context like and kind of why maybe but it's not good I actually didn't know that Paquita was Romani until I read that well, I got the I got that vibe because her grandmother is like reading tarot cards, and she kind of has that stereotypical like, and I'm saying this in scare quotes, like witch look. Like she's got like kind of white hair. She's wearing like black robes and like billowy clothes, and is like always talking to Paquita about like her future, and gives her a talisman. So I didn't realize that she was Romani, but she had that vibe of being like the spiritual witchy grandma, and she had some undetermined accent that's supposed to be foreign that you can tell is like oh she's supposed to be that kind of that that figure in the movie but i didn't i thought it was just like the vibe not an actually like thing that was defined yeah well they um they refer to her like his disgusting rapey uncle refers to her as like a latin number like he says the latin number um Mm -hmm. with the like whatever he says yeah and um so i thought maybe she was like maybe mexican especially because her name is paquita Paquita. maria sanchez (laughs) yes uh and also like you know i just chalked her like witchy grandma up to like a bruja you know and honestly though it could be and that could just be like the wikipedia page being incorrect and making maybe potentially harmful assumptions about (laughs) i wonder yeah you know what i mean even said that i i don't know if i maybe missed it in the movie because um, i didn't i didn't get that either though i thought like you said bruja like i was thinking that like that kind of that was the thought i had as well not romani yeah. but like you know the witchy grandma yeah i don't know I, I mean i feel like that's weird to just put that in there but so, there has to be some sort of basis i feel like because why would they just say that that's like a weird thing yep fun fact um, I just recently found out I'm part Romani. Whoa! My mom said that uh, she didn't want to tell me until I was an adult because people are racist. Is that weird? Hmm. I'm a lot of things. Anyway, wow. I just thought of that. Huh. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, she didn't. She wasn't told until she was an adult either. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Whatever. For the same reason? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I, I understand. Jesus Christ. I also didn't find out I was Mexican until I was an adult. Wait, really? Yeah. So, oh, wow. story time. My dad is half Native American, half Mexican. And his, uh, his like, first language is Spanish. Um, He's from, like, San Antonio area. Like, f- from, like, the sticks. But that's the closest major city. Uh and uh his like his and all his uh siblings he's like the youngest of 11 ooh it's either 9 or 11 i don't know how is many. he catholic well he was raised catholic raised catholic yeah whatever that well, means he's not catholic like he went to catholic school because they lived in like the hood and like mm-hmm. everyone was in a gang and stuff, so they were sent to like Catholic school. Oh, okay. And they were actually like deeply abused by the Irish Catholic like. Oh, of course they fucking were, because Irish Catholic people, as an Irish Catholic, were terrible and loved to exploit people who are not white. Yeah, and 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 white reminder, people too, honestly, really. Like, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Well, as as a reminder to everyone, my parents are like unusually like old like for someone my age <laughs> sorry just the phrasing well, unusually I, I hate old to say that but good. like he was in his 40s when i was born okay you know and like yeah. my mom was almost 40 when i was born <laughs> unusually old <laughs> yeah sorry. so like he he was like when he was in school it was like the 50s you know yep so yeah they were very racist and my dad is like um I always say the celebrity he looks the most like is Lawrence Fishburne, 
Oh. They do look very similar. But yeah, so all their birth certificates. Imagine Lawrence Fishburne's birth certificate saying white. (laughs) Because racism. So yeah, I didn't find out I was part Mexican until I was an adult because like where he's from, you don't tell people that because they're racist towards you. I mean, maybe not now because it's Texas, but but at Mm. a time. Anyway, this this uh, episode is like full of stories, huh? It's full of stories. Well, and it's it's I like it because, again, like I think there are is a lot of really cool stuff to dead alive. But at the same time, it isn't as like horrifically deep as a lot of the other films that we've covered. No, it's to put it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And that is also like I just want to make sure with this podcast, like more people than just like you know people who are into psychological like dramas that are disturbing and stuff you know feel like they're reflected too like yeah some people can't get into that not that we're gonna do like slashers and stuff probably but like i feel like this is justifiably like horribly disgusting and gory so i think a lot of people probably yeah can't handle it well, and it also seems like from like what we've seen on Twitter and like you guys are all amazing and the feedback you give us, it seems like it's nice for y'all as listeners to just get something a little bit more fun and a little less like, oh, cool. It's an hour and a half of them talking about like rape and fat phobia. Like, yeah, even though we try we try our best to make it light, it's got to be nice to just listen to something a little bit more fun and a little bit more of us going on tangents rather than us to like, all right, guys, let's talk about something really fucked up. Yeah, like so, a little and it's, bit, like, change of pace. It's a nice, and it's a nice change of pace for movies to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I watched this one, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to, like, ready myself and, like, be like, all right, what's the self-care plan afterward? For this yeah. one, I was like, all right, let's just, like, lay in bed and watch this movie, and it was a good time. Did this movie live up to the hype um, since this was it your did. first watch? So it actually exceeded it, because the thing is that, you know, you hear, oh, this is the coriest movie ever made, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. It's pretty fucking gross. Like, there's some it's fucking nasty. gross. It's fucking nasty. But it's it looks really good. Like, the practical effects are incredible. The amount of blood that is just, like, pouring out of everything is amazing. And, like, it's the creativity behind the kills and the use of gore is, is incredible. Like, the use of blenders, the use of, like, putting half of a body in a toilet, putting, like, like the lawnmower. There's so many different ways that this movie is creative. And it makes it – so that makes it all the more fun to watch because it's so creative. And you're in awe of, like, the art that went behind making it. Absolutely. Like, I think that there's a huge – a huge thing. I feel like – and please correct me if I'm if you think this is wrong, but I feel like there's this thought about gore and how gore is not gore is nasty. It's not an art form. It's not something that should be celebrated. It's just like exploiting like blood and guts. Right. I think that gore is an art form when it is used properly. And in Absolutely. this case, this is a movie where gore is a piece of fucking art. Hang this in a motherfucking museum because this is how you do gore. Like this is how you do gore when you go all out. Like this is an all or nothing movie, and I love that because there's no way this movie would have been as successful if it didn't just go as fucking insane as it does. Like they put at one point they put a zombie on a fucking light bulb and her eyes and mouth start glowing and she just hangs uh, on like a light fixture. It's so good. I love it. And even the stuff that doesn't look as great, right? Like let's talk about the fucking like zombie baby <laughs> that like, <laughs> and, like waddles over like it both looks like a baby and an adult at the same time depending on if the person in the outfit is running around wearing it or it's like a doll yeah like sometimes it's a doll sometimes it's clearly like a child running exactly like in, a, in an outfit and they like try to um frame the picture so that it's like an optical illusion where like it looks like a tiny baby but it, it obviously is a child or or a very small adult and, like, even those things that maybe, I don't know, aren't as refined as, like, some of the other stuff, it's so charming that, like, it's, you you don't get, like, upset about it. Like, you're not like, oh, that looks terrible. You're like, ah, like, a, a adult as a baby. But, and that's the thing, too. It's, like, the, this movie, the movie was made on a budget of $3 million, which 
was the biggest budget he'd ever worked with. And like, if you think about it, that's a lot of money. But also look at how, what he did with that money. Like with $3 million. Like so look resourceful. At that shit he was able to make with that money. Like it looks so fucking good still yeah. and even if the bad parts i feel like they know that and it's funny when you kind of you can laugh at them and be like yeah okay yeah because or, it's almost like you expect that kind of cheesiness the whole movie so when you see it for a second it's more endearing than just like a oh god this is a horribly made b movie yeah well that's what i was gonna say even like we also had to keep in mind at the time like i don't know how terrible that Sumatran rat monkey looked like in like 1990. <laughs> what, what was it? 92? Yes. Like if you're looking at it in 1992, does it look as terrible? Like, I don't know. Because I remember being a kid and like, you know, Children of the Corn's a good example. You know, the end where like uh, the he who walks behind the rose like explodes or whatever. I've never uh, seen Children of the Corn. Wow. Uh, yeah, anyway. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so sorry. Um, it's, it's okay. I'll forgive you someday. It looks like really like terrible now, but I remember seeing that when I was a kid. Again, I was born in ninety one, so like I Old. saw it when I was a little <laughs> just kidding. ass kid. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I saw it when I was a little ass kid. I didn't think it looked terrible back then. You know? Yeah. Like, and uh, I wonder that I, I I wonder that about something like this where if you saw it in ninety two. Are you like, oh, that looks like a terrible, like, <laughs> creature effect, like, where it's, like, kind of stop motion-y? Uh, or if you're like, wow, that looks pretty good, you know? Right? I yeah. try to always yeah. keep that in mind when I'm, like, judging something, like, when it was made. Like, try to, like, you know what I mean? But I think probably the Sumatran there? Rat Monkey was purposely made uh -oh. like that because... It kind of, when you think about it, does resemble maybe, like, King Kong from the 30s. Like, in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, though. That's a very good point. But I also think that those that kind of, like, seeing the artifice years later also gives you a deeper appreciation of the art that it, the art that it was then and how far we've come now. Or maybe not even, because sometimes <laughs> CGI is not my favorite <laughs> sometimes now. Oops. But yeah, this movie's incredible. And like I knew about the cover, the cover with the woman like opening like pulling her lips open and there's this like a skull. That cover haunted me as a kid. Like I never knew oh, what it too. was, but I didn't want to see it. Like it haunted me. And I, I yeah, exactly. Like I feel like a lot of people were haunted by that. And it's it is not the movie I like you see that cover, they're not doesn't capture the vibe as well but it's a good he's got like a good mysterious vibe to it you know what i mean it's just like and then when something that similar like that happens like okay get the cover like yeah, that makes a lot of sense but i like that it doesn't give away how gory and schlocky it is it's like a little bit more yeah. mysterious ish if yeah, that makes i remember sense. seeing that cover like in video stores when i was a kid and being like <laughs> oh my god that's gonna be so scary <laughs> i have an no. amazing shirt um that i'm very excited to wear post-top surgery because it's so soft and i cut it so that it's like like got really long like cut out arms if that makes sense oh oh i know exactly yeah um like a muscle like tank but like yeah but it's a dead alive shirt and uh it's <laughs> the part where the baby rips the lady's like face in half and comes through her <gasps> face i want it immediately it's my favorite shirt and it's got like baby fetus jars which doesn't draw as much attention as you would think like, when i'm huh. out in public but cool. sometimes every once in a while someone will look at it and be like oh <laughs> <laughs> i just bought a shirt the other day that is from frankenhooker and i'm excited i have that shirt too i'm so i'm so excited to wear it but i also know and it's gonna be one of those shirts where like every once in a while someone's gonna look at it and be like what in the fuck and i'm gonna be like uh -huh. yeah wait yeah. is it the one of like the cover with like the whole like you know <laughs> what's her name it's like covered in like purple and it's got the writing and there's like it's i'll, I'll send you a picture i don't even know how to describe it it's a visual cacophony I wonder if it's the same shirt because I just recently got a Frankenhooker shirt too, which is weird. Oh, pro probably. I got it at my local comic book store. Yeah, I got it um, at the convention a couple weeks ago. 
um shout out to paul bearer press they're like i love paul bearer press i love them yeah and they're so they're so they're like such kind people um i have so many shirts by them but yeah i got that and i got a this like really nasty evil dead shirt that i'm so excited about i love i used to try to be like oh i won't wear like super nasty stuff i said fuck it i don't care anymore i was like fuck i don't yep i'm just gonna wear all the nasty shit and get horror tattoos and i don't fucking care it depends for me like I don't know where my line is. I just said that I wear. I was going to say, what's your line, though? (laughs) I don't know. I try not to, like, wear too many things that have, like, you know, like, like, fuck you. Like, well, yeah, really big on it or something like that. Um, But every once in a while, sometimes I'll just be like, I don't care. Your child knows that word anyway. (laughs) It's the 90s. It's the 90s. (laughs) Civil rights. That was from Bridesmaids, if anyone's wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I just love this movie. I I feel like it was just a nice little break, but still on brand. I Um, found the shirt, Dead Alive shirt you're talking about, and it's fucking sold out, but it's such a good shirt. Yeah, I got that years and years ago. It's so good. (laughs) But yeah, I I think this is a movie that if you don't mind body horror and gore, you definitely should check it out for it's funny. It's a piece of fucking artwork. It's just incredible. So if you can handle, if you like gore, then it is the film for you. Yeah. And I do want to clarify, like we lightly talked about how they're like, um, Lionel has like a, a rapey, like creepy uncle. You don't see anything and he doesn't actually do anything. Paquita kicks his fucking ass. It's it's great. Cause they don't, they don't let him yeah. like fulfill his creepy. They, they, he, he gets his. But he also like, you know, they set it up to for him to be this creepy character that would potentially do something bad, but they give him they punish him very quickly. Um and yeah. they they well not very quickly, but they punish him um rather cruelly. And, you know, he's the he's like the human antagonist, but you know, they don't exploit it. It's not exploitative in terms of like what he does. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that in case that's a major trigger for someone mm-hmm. and they want to watch this, like uh, you, you'll, pro- I don't want to, I don't know. I think you'll probably be okay. But of course, like, I don't want to make anyone feel bad if they're not. Um, it's just, yeah, nothing actually happens. And yep. Just be aware of it going in that there's some weird vibes, but he yeah. gets his ass kicked before he can do anything else. By Paquita, like several times. Yep. So yeah, this is just. I feel like I've only seen this one other time, I think. Or no, I've seen this a couple times. What am I saying? But um, this time it felt different. And I feel like it's like newly one of my my favorite horror movies now. Um, It's just so fucking good. Um, Did you pick a movie for next week? So next week we are going to do Wolf Creek. The early early 2000s, mid-2000s, like, torture porn-y, not slasher, but, like, torture porn-y, creepy, outback murderer film. Have you ever seen Wolf Creek? No, and I'm so excited. I was going to watch it before. I was, I don't, I I was, like, I was writing something about Australian horror. I was going to watch Wolf Creek, and then I was like, oh, we're going to watch it for the podcast. I'm going to wait to watch it until we record. So I'm very excited this was a movie that I really wanted to watch as, as like when it first came out, but I was so averse to torture porn and like gore that I was like, oh, I can't watch it. So now I'm finally going to watch it. So I'm excited and we'll see how I feel about it after I watch it. But yeah. As proof of our one shared brain cell, if you did not pick one already, I was going to suggest Wolf Creek. I fit. Yeah. I f- yeah. Loves so. it. One shared brain cell. Um, but thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Watch Once Never Again. Uh, if you have a recommendation for what we should watch, a director we should cover, thoughts about Dead Alive, send us an email um, at wonapodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter at wonapodcast at W-O-N-A podcast. Um, also, me and Dax are on Twitter. You can follow me at MB McAndrews. And if you want to yell at me about any of the things I said today, I'm at Daxy Bobbin. <laughs> So thanks so much for listening, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.